Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, and today's show is pre-recorded. That means you won't be able to call in, but you can always reach me by going to the website. That's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Click on the contact button. That'll get you right straight to me. And when I travel, I always carry my laptop with me, so I'll be able to get an answer back to you, normally within 24 hours. And if you had received an answer within 24 hours, just go ahead and send it again, because sometimes things do go wrong out there in cyberspace. It may get lost, may not get to me. Sometimes it gets to me, but I can't reply because maybe you typed in the wrong return address. All sorts of things that can go wrong, so I never ignore an email. So please, if you don't get an answer from me within 24 hours, just resend it, and I'll be sure to get that out to you. Today's show is November 13th, 2004, way, way back deep in the top-secret Agco archives. For those of you who've been listening to the Automotive Hour for a number of years, you may remember Harvey Wilson, owner of Reliable Transmissions. Harvey used to do the show with me every single week until he retired. When he retired, his son, Josh Wilson, came to work for us, and that's our automatic transmission guru at Agco. Of course, Brian Terry does the show with me now. I hope you really enjoy today's show. Let's listen. Let's do it. Welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Harvey Wilson. Hey, if you have an automotive problem, question, or comment, you just give us a call. Be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction, give you a little free advice as best we can. And the number is 499-9526. That's 499-WJBO. Just in case you don't get through today, like you wait too long and lines are all blocked up, or you just kind of shy about calling in on a radio show. That's right. You can log on to the internet on to, how do you spell that? A-G-C-O. <laughs> Auto. Yeah. One, just no spaces or anything. Agco Auto, just one little word. Right. Dot com. A lot of good information. One of the things, there's a kind of label as frequently asked questions, but actually it's a question section where you can go in and you can post your technical questions just like you do on the Automotive Hour. And you can even search the previous question. So you can search and see if your question's already been answered. Uh, yeah. Just type in a keyword like brakes or alignment or check engine light or whatever might be interesting to you. And it'll search that and bring up solutions. And that, of course, will get bigger and bigger and bigger as we go along. All right. Is there a list of altazanisms in there yet? I haven't put my altazanisms in there yet. Actually, my sister is working on publishing a book. Your sister? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, she's quite taken by the altazanisms. Oh. <laughs> there oh. you go. So, anyway, let's that's, go to our... That's news. That's that it. Be, that should be on your website. Well, hey, as soon as she gets it published, we'll put it on there, along with the bobblehead Harvey I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to our phone lines. We've got Jose online. Good morning, Jose. Good morning. Yes, sir. I don't really have a problem. I have a question. I use okay. Mobile One on my pickup truck. Okay. I've used it since the after the original break-in period. Yes, sir. And I'm wondering, what's the period to change that oil and mileage and all that what, what do you recommend See, i can give you all the different schools of thoughts on it because there's many <laughs> these extremely long intervals that they give with synthetic oil in my opinion comes out of the advertising and marketing department more so than the engineering department what they're trying to do is to make them more competitive price-wise with the fossil oil in other words if you're paying three times as much for the product you expect it to last three times as long, and that makes it more cost-effective. I can tell you from a mechanical standpoint, a synthetic oil gets as dirty, in fact, dirtier fossil oil does. Picks up contaminants. It's going to get just as dirty. The filter can take out a 40-micron particle. 
the problem is you've got contamination from coolant. You've got contamination from hydrocarbons. You've got contamination from moisture that the filter cannot take out. If you're looking for the absolute maximum life of your truck, then use the mobile one or synthetic and change it every 3,000 miles. Yes, that's the maximum protection. If you're looking for more economy, you could probably safely push it out 6,000 miles without any big problem. The product will definitely hold up that long, probably longer. The, the issue is that it gets more contaminated than regular oil does because it's doing its job. It's picking up all these contaminants. The only way to get them out of there is to replace the fluid. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, as far as the price, you know, it's not really that much more expensive. Well, the way I look at it, I mean, I run synthetic in my vehicles, and I change every 3,000 miles, and I said, you know, even at 4 bucks a quart, man, an engine is about seven grand. Yeah. yeah I ain't never going to get $7,000 changing all. So see <laughs> <laughs> cars come in that go those extended intervals. And the first 40 or 50,000 miles is not much difference. But when they start getting up around 100, 110, 130, seals start leaking because they're getting hard. And you take the valve covers off and they're all gummed up. And, I mean, it's just the cost of the repairs that people are making from not changing the oil often enough, it's just not worth it to me. You know, I, you're making sense, and I should have realized this before because a friend of mine went and got into a wreck. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to put his engine into another vehicle uh -huh. that he bought. He got hit in the rear, and mm -hmm. when we took the engine out, he wanted to change the valve covers, put some nice, fancy aluminum valve yes, covers sir. on. When we opened that up, and he had been using synthetic since day one, uh -huh. those valves inside there was like they were brand new. Mm -hmm. yeah. was, I mean, they were so clean. Oh, yeah. and, and Synthetic does a fabulous job of cleaning. But, and it makes sense what you're saying. If it, if it keeps your engine that clean, right. it means it's picking up all it's those It's in suspension. And, you know, a filter, 40 micron filter is great, except that most of your wear and tear comes from three micron particles. Right. And if they yeah. put a filter to take that out of there, it either have to be as big as a vehicle or you'd have to change it every day. Yeah. So it just physically can't do that. So a lot of stuff's going through. The head gaskets always leak just a tiny amount. Intake gaskets always leak a tiny amount. So there's always some coolant that gets into the oil. There's always some fuel that comes past the rings and gets into the oil. There's moisture that builds up in the oil, and the filter can't take that out. It goes right around with the oil. Well, so. you've answered my question. I used to do the uh, 6,000. I'm mm -hmm. getting ready to do an oil change today. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be from around 3,000 from yeah, the oil hunt. I think it's cost effective to me. If, you, if yeah. you're looking for the overall lowest cost, that's right. it. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you for your help. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd certainly love to have you. And you know, that I think, that's certainly what I'm looking for in my vehicles, is the total lowest cost of driving the car. Right. Not the price, but mm -hmm. the total lowest cost per mile. And like Jose said, using a superior product like synthetic that cuts the wear and tear is going to result in an overall lower cost over the life of that car. Because I'm sort of like you. I'm going to keep that car for 200, 250,000 miles. Right. Now, for those that may be thinking of switching to synthetic, one important point is that that filter is going to plug up. Right. If you've been using regular fossil yeah. oil for a number of years, say you got 40, 50, 60,000 miles, you change the synthetic. It's very important to change the filter out a couple of times in that next change. In other words, you might want to change your in filter out after 1,000 miles. Right. Because when it starts breaking up that sludge in that engine, it's going to plug that filter up. So, yeah, anytime we change a high-mileage motor over, we go in at about 1,000 miles, change the filter, maybe come back at 2,000, change it again. After that, you can change it with the oil. Important to get all that sludge out and change that filter a couple of times when you initially make the change. Correct. One other issue, some people will say that I went to synthetic oil and it created a leak in the car 
created a leak in the engine. It does not create a leak. It might reveal a leak. Right. That leak was coming anyway. You just had enough sludge and trash plugging it up to where it wasn't dripping right then. When you put the synthetic, it cleaned out the sludge. Well, then it starts leaking. Well, do you really want your engine running around plugged up by sludge? That's the only thing keeping it all in. It's going to leak anyway, so it may reveal some leaks, but those problems were already there. More likely caused by not changing it all frequent enough. Right. So let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Glenn online. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Lewis. Sir. I have a question about my motorhome. It's okay. uh, on a 454 Chevy engine. Okay. And the serpentine belt mm-hmm. keeps breaking on me. About three, two years ago, I had all of the belts changed, uh-huh. and about 3,000 miles later, the serpentine Okay. Broke. I'll tell you what you want to look at first off on that, Glenn. Uh-huh. The pulleys on a motorhome are different from the pulleys on a standard engine. Uh-huh. I think the standard engine has either five or six ribs in the belt, and the motorhome has seven. Oh. So you got to get the belt for that motorhome. I've run across that before where people have changed like an alternator or something, mm-hmm. and they put the alternator off of a car. Uh-huh. The number of grooves in the pulley didn't line up any longer. Uh-huh. Almost always that's the case. Uh-huh. Something, either it's the wrong belt for the pulley you have, or you've got an odd pulley in the system. Mm-hmm. Well, it had been running good for about 40,000 miles, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Without, and then I, had, then I had the belts changed. Yeah. After that. Nothing else got changed, Glenn? They didn't change a water pump or an alternator or anything like that? No. Okay, if nothing else was changed, you probably got the wrong belt. Yeah. I've run across that on multiple occasions. I don't remember if it's five groove and six groove or six groove and seven groove, mm-hmm. but there's a different number of grooves on the motorhome belt. Yeah, okay. And well, it'll sure chew them up. Yeah, well, it, it, it's been doing a good <laughs> job of it. <laughs> Your best bet on that thing, Glenn, is to go back to like a Chevrolet dealer mm-hmm. and give them the VIN number off the vehicle, uh-huh. and they can get you the belt that matches that VIN number. Okay, sounds great. All righty. Yeah, okay. Thank, Thanks thank a lot, you. Louis. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, four nine 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 five two six is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd sure love to have you. And that VIN number, ordering by VIN number, sure eliminates a lot of problems. That eliminates a world of problems. You don't have to tell them what you're driving. Right. Nothing about it. That goes thing. from about 92 on up, I think. Mm-hmm. Some of the old cars, if you've got an 80 model car, it won't work. But when they went to the 17-digit VIN, most cases you can just give them the last eight digits, and they can right. go to the original bill file for the vehicle, and it tells them exactly what options it came with, and you get the exact right part. Wonderful, wonderful system. I wish they'd had that 30 years ago. Yeah. Let's go back to the phone. We've got James online. Good morning, James. Yeah, another question about motorhomes. Okay. Actually, I don't have one right now. I'm looking to buy a used one. Okay. I'm just wondering if you have enough experience where you can get some general advice. I'm looking for like a Class C Ford or Chevy van front thing. Got kind of advice? On I can what tell you look. some general stuff, James. What you want is the newest one that you can possibly afford. Don't worry about the miles on it. Miles mean almost nothing. The years is what absolutely kills a motorhome. For instance, let's say you can find a 2002 model with 100,000 miles on it. Uh That is far, far better than a 1990 model with 10,000 miles on it. Most motorhomes tend to sit a lot. So usually they have low mileage on them. Absolute worst thing in the world for any vehicle, but even worse on a motorhome. So you wouldn't worry about something with 100,000 miles? Would not at all because that that means it's been driven a lot, and that's great. Okay. You know, that one's going to be in much, much better shape than any other because when they sit, all those hydraulic systems start corroding up on it, yeah. and it can turn into a real money pit. Most people got X number of dollars they want to spend, and they're looking for the lowest mileage vehicle for those dollars, yeah. and that's exactly backwards. That's opposite for a mobile home. You want the newest one you can get, regardless of the mileage. Miles don't hurt a vehicle. But say an O2 with 100,000 miles, that means it's been driven a whole lot. 
Okay. That's great. You know, that's probably going to be in a lot better shape. You, like some of these rental companies, well, that's Cruise America. They sell their mm-hmm. rentals. I guess that'd be. Yeah, something like that. You might want to find a good motorhome mechanic, and when you before you purchase it, you know, get him to do a pre-purchase inspection. We do a tremendous amount of that with cars, but I I wouldn't feel qualified to do a motorhome because I just don't work on enough of them. Okay. But get a good guy that works on motorhomes. Have, you know, go ahead and pay him an hour, or hour and a half, two hours to go through it and just check all the things that he knows that always break, and give you a list before you purchase it. Look for the newest one you can get with without too much regard to mileage. All right. Good advice. Okay, man. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Let's see. We go back to our phone lines. We've got Paul online. Good morning, Paul. Morning, guys. How are y'all? Doing great, sir. Got an 04 Ford F-150 4x4 with the 5.4 liter motor. Okay. Getting about 12 and a half miles to the gallon, Uh which not that far off a factory spec. Just wondering, what can I do to improve the gas mileage? Is there any? Paul, you're not going to ever get it a whole lot better. I mean, it's a few little things. You can pick up a tenth here, two tenths there. It's just the design of the vehicle. It's just not a very fuel-efficient vehicle. Have you modified anything on there? Absolutely not. Yeah, okay. that's as good as it's ever gotten. Ever, ever. Got, yeah. 13 was, was it. Yeah, that's peak. Well, how many miles you got on it, Paul? 9,000. Okay, well, it's going to get a little better when it breaks in fully, and you will notice it get a little bit better, but not substantially. Like I said, there's a lot of things you can do to get like just a little bit here and a little bit there. For instance, tires actually make a fair amount of difference. Some of the newer tires that are out actually are energy-saving tires. They hold more air. They roll more freely. I know mm-hmm. one thing, we put Michelins on a lot of people's car, and they'll come back and say, hey, I picked up a mile of the gallon. That's one thing. Energy-conserving oil. Are you running, what is it, is it called 5W20 or 5W30? Uh, 20. Yeah, you're running 520 in it? Yeah. Okay, go to 520 synthetic. Just because it's going to cut all the friction in the engine at 9,000 miles is a good time to swap because okay. it's already, the rings and all have seated fully, but yet you don't have a lot of sludge buildup yet. So go to the synthetic oil. You can pick up just a hair there. Performance chips. I hear these performance chips will help out somewhat. Yeah. You know what happens, Paul? Like all engineering, there's nothing free. What a performance chip does is it moves certain parameters at the expense of other parameters. Okay. For instance, you may get more power but you're going to sacrifice some durability to get it. Or you may get a little better gas mileage, but you're going to sacrifice emissions, or, or you're going to lose something to get what you get. The, you. the chip that's in there is the perfect all-around compromise. I don't ever advise that just because, number one, warranty issues. If you put a performance chip in there, they can avoid your warranty. Number two, I find they sacrifice durability of the vehicle. You know, they're going to do things like mm-hmm. running the temperature cooler and stuff like that, which is going to add to the wear and tear on the engine. I would be more attuned to things like oil right. change. Or when you need tires, go to a different type of a tire that will roll a little freer. Harvey, is there anything he can do with his transmission to get any better mileage as far as lockup and stuff? Probably a little bit on synthetic fluid. That should have partial synthetic blend in it anyways. I would stay with OEM filters like the air filter right. if mm-hmm. you ever have to change it. And for sure, don't go to the aftermarket one that's so popular. Synthetic, that sounds like an easy, quick fix. It is. And you're not going to get a drastic change, Paul. But by doing all those things, it'll kind of add up. You might get another couple miles a gallon. Hey, uh, one mile per gallon, gallon better <laughs> is, is better. Isn't that <laughs> the truth? For two bucks a gallon. One last thing, you want to make sure it is running as well as it can run. And you okay. are still under warranty on that, so you might just want to take it in to the dealer, have them check. They can check a parameter known as fuel trim, okay. which is something the computer keeps track of. See if it is adding any fuel for any reason at all. For okay. instance, sometimes you can have something like a defective oxygen sensor or okay. a defective air flow meter, which gives the computer a false reading, which will 
substantially raise you know the amount of fuel it uses. The last thing is you want to make absolutely sure that the engine is getting to full operating temperature and that the computer knows that it's getting to full operating temperature. Because if the engine is cooler than normal or if it thinks it's cooler than normal, it's going to really burn a lot more gas. So okay. sometimes you can have what they call a ECT, electronic temp- coolant temperature sensor, that's reading improperly. So even though the engine's maybe 200 degrees, it thinks it's 180. Well, it's going to start double pulsing the injector like a choke. And, boy, okay. you're really going to burn some fuel. So you know, just make sure you are getting everything you can get. But I can tell you, if you go on the net and look around, you'll find a lot of complaints against the F-150 for fuel mileage. It's one of the biggest complaints you're going to see. Well, and uh, yeah, they just they just don't get. It's not a really very fuel efficient engine, which is strange because some of the cars get great mileage. You, know, you can take a Lincoln Town car, which probably weighs a thousand pounds more, and you can get twenty eight, twenty nine miles a gallon out of it. Right. I mean, I love the truck. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, they really they really did their homework on design. It's but, a good uh, truck. It, it really is. But like I said, it, the last thing, Paul, is just kind of your driving habits. Avoid the course of jackrabbit starts. Avoid long idle periods. Right accelerating and decelerating trying to keep it at a constant level one thing that really really helps with driving habits if you can get a vacuum gauge which is really inexpensive Mm -hmm. hook it up where you can see it and just watch that vacuum gauge what you want to do is keep the vacuum at the maximum and you'll see real fast what makes vacuum drop you accelerate boom it drops well that's when it's using gas you let off it goes way up so that's kind of a good driver's education tool probably pick one up for less than 10 bucks it's real easy to hook up just kind of watch it and just watch your driving habits and see if that's a factor. Guys, you've been very helpful. Right. I do appreciate it. Okay, Paul. Thanks so much. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. You know, one uh, other thing you may mm-hmm. want to do is check for any flash updates, computer flash updates. Yeah, if there's an update problem. for fuel mileage. Yeah, if you go back to the dealer and complain that your mileage is lower than you think it should be, sometimes Ford will have an update to the computer that actually addresses that symptom. So that's certainly why you're under warranty. I'd check on that. That'd be a free well, not free. It was including the price of the truck. <laughs> I, always, I always hate to call warranty free because it's anything uh-huh. but free. You, know? uh-huh. you paid about four grand when you bought that vehicle for your warranty. Go back to our phone lines. We've got Dan online. Good morning. Hey, listen. How y'all doing this morning? Doing great, sir. Good. I have an old one Honda Accord okay. with a four-cylinder. Yes, sir. And starting to start kind of lethargically, you know, okay. as if it's a battery or the alternator or whatever. Well, when you say and, that, Ben, uh, do you mean it cranks over slowly or it cranks normal speed and just won't start? No, it's slow. Just turns over cranking. slowly. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it'll it'll start. Okay. But this morning, my wife went on an errand, mm-hmm. and when she got back to, to get in the car, mm-hmm. she tried to start and wouldn't start. Okay. So uh, what I did was I brought the uh, cables and started with my battery. Yes, sir. My car Jumped and it off. Started. Mm-hmm. And now it's starting again, but yes, it's sir. still kind of lethargic. Like. Yes, sir. You need to get that checked. Most any good shop, we can do it for you, or a lot of other shops can do it for you. They just need to run what they call a load test on the battery and also load test the alternator because a couple of possibilities or more than a couple but you could have a battery that's starting to lose capacity and what happens is that when you charge it up like when you jump it off and the alternator charges it it'll start good for a few times but when it sits for a while it loses that right another thing is you can have an alternator that's not fully charging it'd be a good battery but the alternator's not charging it fully and of course the last thing is or one more thing is you can have what they call a parasitic draw now that's something that is staying on when you turn the key off that shouldn't be on that could be a relay it could be a computer that's not going to sleep and that will draw a good battery down when the vehicle sits so a fairly simple test will identify that problem for you and one thing you always want just a tip when you go to a shop don't ever say it won't start because what you got is it's not cranking fast enough start is when the motor starts crank is when because what that does if you say it's hard to start he's going to get off on a whole tangent of other tests and maybe miss the test that you need so go in and tell him specifically what it's doing it's cranking slowly when you turn the key 
Right. Anybody with proper equipment can check that. You want to avoid like these parts stores that have these little gizmos that check it. Those are usually worse than nothing. They're geared to selling you stuff rather than actually checking. It takes some fairly sophisticated equipment, but it's a fairly simple test. Okay, so the computer inside the car would have stored the proper codes? Or? No, so there's not going to be a code for that. But that is prior to the engine starting or running, so it's not even going to see it. Okay. So now I've mm-hmm. got a question about changing of the transmission fluid. Now, does this car have a filter in the, the pan? Well, it doesn't have a pan that, and doesn't have access to the filter without disassembling the entire transmission. Oh, so it's got to be changed? Drain it and refill it. Do okay. not flush it. You see in your owner's manual, it tells you don't hook a flusher to that cooler line. I don't care what any dealer tells you or any quick lube tells you. Do not do that. Yeah. Honda will tell you don't do that. Yeah, they've uh, had a lot of trouble with refill. the transmissions. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I think you'll find that your Accord is under a seven-year, 100,000-mile warranty on the transmission. Okay, so the changing of the fluid would be done under warranty? No. Uh, the normal maintenance won't. But okay. if you have a leak or any other problem, that's under the warranty. Okay. All right. Well, I right. Sure appreciate your help. Okay, okay, Ben. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, Alvin, David, hang on. You'll be straight up after the break. Hey, Clint, what's that? Take a look. It's my bucket list of things to do before the world ends. Okay. According to the Mayan calendar, the world goes kaput on December 21st, 2012. I got lots to do, neighbor. Uh, bog snorkeling? Punch a whale? Compete in the World Toe Wrestling Championship? I see Meet Julia Roberts is scratched off. Yeah, got her autograph, too. Really? Well, it's on the restraining order. Hey, shouldn't repair my car be on the list? What? Your, your brakes, they're constantly squealing, it shimmies and shakes and leaking oil all over I the I think I can make it to December. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. Hey, um, isn't this one here illegal? Not in Tijuana, my friend. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O. AUTO.com. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Harvey Wilson. Hey, if you got an automotive problem, question, or comment, you just give us a call and be glad to try to help you out. And we're going live with David. Good morning, David. Good morning, guys. Hey, man. I've got a 87 300 turbo diesel Mercedes. Okay. Yesterday it didn't crank in the morning, and I thought it's the usual winter problem. Okay. Check the battery. But turns out the battery was hot, and I don't know if this is a transmission or other electrical question. It won't start in park, but it starts up fine in neutral. Now, when you say it won't start, do you mean it won't crank over? Right. It's deader than a doornail. Okay, it just doesn't do anything. Yeah, that sounds like a neutral safety switch issue. Is that and a, I'm one of those grommets is wore out on linkage and not fully going into park? Yeah. That's a real problem on the Mercedes as far as those grommets wearing out, but it's relatively easy to fix. Is that a transmission issue or is that? It's the linkage going from your center console down to the transmission. It's the rods that connect your gear shift to the trans. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're hooked together with urethane grommets, and those grommets wear out. So it's not a actual transmission problem. It's just a linkage problem. And that's now, assuming that's what it is, because it could also be the switch is just going bad. The neutral safety switch. So you got a switch that it won't let the car start and drive or reverse or low or any of that. It only lets it start when it's in neutral or park. And naturally, you start 
starting in park a whole lot more than you're starting in neutral. So that particular contact is going to wear out a lot faster than the other one. So many times when it won't start in park, it will start in neutral. What Harvey's saying is the linkage that activates that switch has a rubber grommet that also wears out. Now, if you're putting it into park, but it's not pushing the switch all the way over. See, that could also be okay. an issue. It's pretty easy to isolate, David. All you do is get in a car the way we do it and put a ohmmeter across the switch and then manually move it into position and see if it contacts or not. So it's fairly simple to diagnose. Okay, uh, if the switch is fine, then it's the grommets. Well, well if it's if not moving into missing, position, yeah, if the grommets are missing, you got to fix them. them anyway. But that may or may not resolve the entire issue. And again, grommets are pretty inexpensive repair, aren't they, Harvey? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to tighten all that shifter up. You can't run around with the grommets worn out. You can feel it from inside the car if you move the shifter, if it feels sloppy. Yeah, does the shifter feel real sloppy when you shift? No, it feels tight. It feels pretty tight. If it feels pretty tight, you're more likely to switch itself is either bad or out of adjustment or the wiring harness could have come unplugged off one position. You know, it's something in that circuitry if it starts fine in neutral. Okay. Now, which one of you guys is the one to call about? <laughs> either come one. Bi- come business hours. <laughs> yeah, e- either one of us could fix that. Okay. I sure do appreciate All right. it. All right, Mr. David. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would certainly love to have you. Just give us a call. I'll be glad to try to point you in the right direction. And we've got Alvin's been patiently holding. Good morning, Alvin. Good morning, John. Yes, sir. I got a 2000 Sonoma with a 2200 uh, engine in it. Uh-huh. And you put your foot in it, say, from a dead stop, it uh-huh. does fine until it gets to 3900 RPM, and it just as far as it's going to go. It'll bog the engine down to the point where it, it won't allow the transmission to shift. you got to let off to, to go. Now, 3,900 RPMs may be pretty close to the rev limiter on that thing, Alvin. Is it like just cutting completely off? No, it's, it's just losing performance, just slowly going down. Did you used to go more than that, or it's well, always yeah, been that way? I just bought this little truck with the problem, so. Well, okay. you see, the thing is that they have what they call a rev limiter on that little yes, motor. Sir. And when it gets to a certain speed, it's going to shut the motor down. The computer's going to shut it down. That, that thing works pretty good because you can rev it up and it'll you can feel that uh, right. happening. Right, right. It, it's going to cut out at one speed neutral and another speed under load, and 3,900 RPM is pretty close to the red line on that motor. I'm not sure you're not hitting your rev limiter on it. If that's not the case, I would be looking for a fuel pressure problem. 55 it, idling. Okay, but you got to check it under load. In other words, at right. idle, you're not, you're not really going to be able to tell anything. Right. So you do is simulate the load, or if you've got a gauge where you can bypass, you check the volume on it. Mm-hmm. Make sure you've got adequate fuel volume up there. All right, I put it in drive, hold foot on the brake, and throttle it up, and uh, it'll drop to 45. Okay, well, that's be way too low on that engine. That's uh, too low. Yes, sir, because that's got that fighter-type injector in there. It's got to have a certain amount of fuel pressure to blow the injectors off the off the seats. It's very, very critical on the fuel pressure, very narrow range. Like, for instance, at 55, it's going to run fine. At 50, it's not going to run anymore. Right. It's a very narrow range they allow you. And so I'd have to go to the manual and verify what I'm telling you. But that just sounds like a fuel delivery problem. Now, it doesn't mean the pump is bad because okay. it could be uh, – I'm sure you probably already changed your fuel filter. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to say a fuel filter will do that. Also, a bad fuel pressure regulator will do that. What you might want to do is, with your fuel pressure gauge on there, plug the vacuum with the regulator and see if your pressure rises. Okay. If it does not rise, then you've got a bad fuel pressure regulator. That may or may not be the whole problem, but that's, that's definitely a problem. But normally, cutting out under load is going to be a, a lack of fuel pressure if it runs good all the rest of the time. Okay, so pull the uh, vacuum off and yeah, what? If the fuel pressure should rise. Should rise, so yes, it sir. should run better with that off. 
Well, you can't right. run around with it off now. That's just a right. strictly a diagnostic but, procedure. Put your gauge on. If you got 55, and you ought to go up to about 60. Okay. And if, if, if it, it does, if it does not, then the fuel pressure regulator is bad. You need to replace it. Okay. All right. Sounds like a winner. Okay, That's man. Give me something to look for. There you go. Thank, Thank you. Bye bye. All right, four nine 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 five two six. The number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, Garden Leroy, you guys hang on. You'll be straight up after the break. Okay, look, you've been at the Red Box for 10 minutes, and you've got about 30 movies. Yeah, you roll in here with that car with the brakes screeching and the bald tires, and then you ask to cut in line because you're in a hurry. Look, it is 2012, and according to the Mayan calendar, the world ends on December 21st. So I'm trying to watch all the movies I can before then. So no car repairs either, right? Who's got time for that? Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. So no car maintenance? All movies till December 21st? Yep. I'm stocking up on all the classics too. Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakquel. <laughs> I already saw the first album. I knew he was crazy. Yep. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Just a good old boy, never meaning no harm. Hey, welcome back on this old cool fall morning. Yes, it is. There you go. Hey, I'm Lewis Altazan from Agco Automotive. We got Harvey Wilson, reliable transmissions. Between the two of us, we can muddle through darn near any question on a car. Almost. Almost. Almost any. <laughs> Did you see all the General Lees? Over at the old Toyota store there on Florida Boulevard? I didn't see those. I did see one driving down the Must road. Must be now to about 20 of them out there. Hmm. I tell you what. That, I didn't know there was that, that many left. I thought they wrecked them all. <laughs> <laughs> they take out about one a week. <laughs> they must be kit cars. <laughs> I guess, boy. I guess what they did, they probably just shot the same car on a bunch of different angles. And yeah, they just keep like on putting it on there because uh, they couldn't have tore up that mountain. They ever built that many of those things. <laughs> At least I'd like to hope they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Garden on the line. Good morning, Garden. Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, sir. I have a uh, 2000 Infinity I30. Yes, sir. Has a, well, the, the code I'm, I'm getting is an engine coil. Okay. Code, uh, excuse me, an ignition coil. Yes, sir. Code. I mean, I'm a novice here. I'm uh-huh. not going to try to fix it, but what does ignition coil do, and uh, is that a big problem? That's a very common problem on the 3-liter Nissan engines. I don't work on that many I30s, but I work on a lot of Maximas, which basically is the same engine. Uh-huh. They've got an updated call for that thing, Garden. It just seems when they design those calls, what, to answer your question, what the call does, it makes a spark, which fires the plug, which fires the mixture, which makes the car run. Okay. The old cars had like one call with a distributor that distributed the spark to the individual cylinders. The new cars have what they call call packs, and there's a call directly on top of each spark plug. And on a six-cylinder motor, there's six of them. And those actually fire the mixture. So when the coil starts to get weak, you start to get misfires and all that, and check engine light pops on, blah, blah, blah. They've had a lot of trouble with those things. I think the duty cycle was just too low on them when they manufactured them. And what they've done, they've come out with an improved design. Now, there's no kind of recall or any of that stuff on it. There's no dealer support on that. No, sir. They'll sell you another one. (laughs) Yeah, And And that's where you want to buy it. Actually, they've lowered the price on them considerably because I guess they know they had a problem. I'm just kind of guessing here, so don't hold me to it, but I think they've come down. They're around $80 a piece for those calls as opposed to they used to be about $140, $150 a piece. Okay. So they have lowered the price on them. I can tell you, if you want to fix the problem, you can go ahead and just change all six of them. you probably got one or two that's bad right now. Mm-hmm. You can change those one or two and then wait another month or so and change another one and then wait another month or so and change the other one. When they start going out, they eventually are going to all go out. 
Okay. I mean, but, I have 95,000 miles. Well, on the car. you didn't do I mean, too I'm bad, did you? Yeah. yeah but, and the car will run a lot better with the improved calls. And like I said, that's work that we do, or, or a lot of any good shop can do that for you. Need to just make sure that is the problem, first off, because some other things can set that code. Okay. So make sure that is the problem. You do that with a scope where you can actually read the call pattern and stuff. And if the calls are bad, I'd replace all six of them with the updated calls. Okay. All righty. Great. Appreciate the answer. All righty, man. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You. All right, 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would certainly love to have you. And we got Leroy on the phone. Good morning, Leroy. Good morning. Yes, sir. We got a 1995 Cadillac Sedan DeVille. Okay. And I've got two problems. One has a two-simp thing, and, and the first one being the shift lever. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to move, okay. and, it's, and the colder it gets, the harder yeah, it is yeah. to move. Yeah, that's fairly common. And the other part of that is that every now and then, say you put it in reverse, and it just sits there, it won't do nothing. And the last time I did that, I usually just keep shifting it back and forth until it goes away, but I yeah. just jiggled the shift lever, and it went in into reverse. Yeah, that may be the same problem. Yeah. Leroy, Harvey, you want to go ahead and tell about that? Yeah, that's usually a problem with the factory grease and the steering column getting too old and too hard. And uh-huh. you just have to clean that out and put some synthetic grease in there. Yeah, they use a, like a lithium-based grease when they – it's like a little bell crank that moves when yeah. you shift it. And that old grease in time gets hard. It just gets caked in there. It turns to like wax. Okay. And well, what it, it does, it binds it up. It's more of a caked up thing in yes. the gears rather than yes. a grease fitting or something. No, like it's that. no kind of fitting. No it's fitting. down inside the steering column. You got to take the wheel off and get down in the column, I think, to fix it. Okay. There's a certain amount of labor involved because you have to disassemble it, but there's not any parts involved generally. Uh-huh. It's a matter of taking it apart, cleaning it out, putting the right grease back. Harvey, yeah. you got any other thoughts on that? No. Uh-uh. Sometimes you can get to part of it from underneath the dash. Mm-hmm. What you can see under there, try and clean off and relube and see if that takes care of it uh, without having to take the steering wheel off. Oh, okay, but well, it, it looks like there might be a, a plate underneath the steering Yeah, it's inside the itself. car. It looks like a separate, down by a separate your, piece that might be able to come out of there. That huh? does. That's what you call a knee bolster. That's designed for when you get a wreck, your knees slide far and they hit that rather than you know, cutting you up. It's like a, That does come off. Uh-huh. I don't know if you can get to it from there or not. There's just so many different cars. But right. A lot of them, we have to take the steering column apart to actually get in there and do a proper job. You can okay. get in there and kind of get the part of it, but you can't get it all out. Mm-hmm. But chances are, when he fixes that, that should help with his reverse, reverse Yeah, It's just not going all the way into reverse. Yeah. It's not okay. moving the slide valve all the way over. Right. I would think. Okay. Well, I've got another question if you've okay. got time sure, for it. Sure. Go ahead. I have my air suspension okay. on that car. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And the service ride control comes on. Okay. And it, every time I turn the key on, it comes on. Okay. Of course, I reset it, and it, it, it never reappears. And, and, you know, it doesn't seem to be affecting the ride any. It's been doing that for a long time. Yes, sir. Probably not the air suspension causing that because it has its own light. It'll say service air suspension. The ride control is going to be the shocks. It's got electronic shocks on that vehicle. Oh. And what they do is that they count the number of jounts the car goes through. And if it bounces more than a certain amount, it's going to set a code which is going to be that it's, it's bouncing around more than it should, mm-hmm. and it can't control it any longer. That's kind of normal on an older car. Now, the really cool thing is those shocks are probably about 1200 bucks a piece, and there's four of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, what GM did in their infinite wisdom, they realized that most people ain't going to spend five grand to fix that problem. Right. So they came out with a bypass kit, and what it is, it's just a little kit that you install between the computer and the sensor wires, and it sort of overrides that particular function so that the light won't come on anymore right but it allows all the other functions to continue to work right so it's, it's really kind of cool i mean it, 
you're going to spend a couple hundred bucks putting it in there, but then at least you, all your lights will work, and you know if there is a problem, it'll tell you. See, the problem you got right now is, let's say the light's on for no good reason, but there's only one light. Now, let's say a major problem occurs. Well, the light's already on, so you ignore it. See, so you just you can't trust it. So it's a good idea to get the light out. That way, if another problem occurs, you'll know there's a problem. Okay, I, I read what you're saying. I, I just want to... Make one correction here. Okay. It doesn't have a light. It's a digital display. Yes, I don't guess yes, that I'm, makes any I'm difference. Light. Yeah, it's actually a little LED message. Right. It'll say service ride system or service ride control or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it says service ride control. Yes, sir. It's saying it's got another little message that'll say service air suspension if it was an air problem. Okay, well, that uh, doesn't... I've interrogated uh, the codes and... It doesn't mm-hmm. say that on there. Mm-hmm. The air system on that car is very, very rudimentary. The only thing it actually does is if you load a lot of luggage in a trunk and it uh-huh. goes down, it'll pick it back up. I got you. But that's all it does. It's a leveling system. That's all it is. And if you look at the strut, either look down in the wheel opening, you can see like a wire going inside those struts. Or if you look on the top under the hood, you'll see a wire going down in there. Uh-huh. And it's a brilliant system when they came up with it. It's got a fluid called elastomeric fluid, which has actually metal particles in it. And it's got a sensor, and it knows how much the car bounces. And when it starts to bounce too much, what it does, it sends a charge to this fluid, which thickens the fluid, which tightens the ride. I mean, great system. But it's just when it gets a few years old, it's not going to do that anymore. And then it's so expensive to fix. Right. You know, most people aren't going to spend five grand on a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old car. You just ain't going to happen. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. So, yeah, and the car still runs good other than that. What they did, they came out with this little bypass kit, and it'll just eliminate that one function, but still allows everything else to work right, and then you can trust your display again. Wonderful. Where do you get such a We can do it for you. Okay. It costs a couple hundred bucks. About that. I think the kit's probably, there's two parts to it. It's like a relay, and it's a connector kit, and uh-huh. it's probably about 80, 90 bucks for the parts, and it's probably about 120 bucks to put it all in there. All right. All right. good. Okay, sir. All right. I'll be getting in touch with you. Sounds great. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. All right. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would certainly love to have you. And I think we've got Steve's been patient. holding. Good morning, Steve. Hey, Lewis. Yes, sir. 96 Grand Caravan. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of miles on it. Mm-hmm. Whenever I make a turn, uh-huh. like it come to the intersection, make a left or right, the on the dash, the brake light comes on. Okay. And it'll stay on there for... 30 seconds, oh. goes out. Tell you what you want to do first off, Steve. Go to the master cylinder. You know what that's at up under the hood? Yeah. Add a little bit of, of clean fluid out of a freshly opened can of fluid. Okay. And see if your light goes out. Okay. Now, if your light goes out, that's not the problem isn't solved. What happens, that fluid drops just a little bit and there's a little switch in there. And when you turn the corner, it's fluid sloshes to one side or the other, and it's going to give you a signal. Now, the reason the fluid is low is because the brake pads have started to wear. Okay. As they wear, they start to take in fluid to make up that extra room. So it's a good idea to pull all the wheels off, check the brakes, make sure you don't have a leak at any of your wheels, and make sure your pads aren't worn out. But almost always that problem is going to be low on fluid. Okay. And I like think I'll bring it to you. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> all right. All right, Steve, thank you, man. All right, bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would certainly love to have you. Key thing there is avoid the temptation. If you've got any old brake fluid at your house, right. That's been open and it's Get been sitting it. on a shelf. Throw well, you can't throw it away, but dispose of it properly. Yeah, you can bring it to a shop. A lot of them will take it and dispose of it for you. Or they have that. What is that day they have where you can dispose of hazardous chemicals? That is a well-hidden secret now. Have you noticed? No, I hadn't noticed that. They don't publicize that very much anymore, and but, it's only one time a year where it was too. But what you want to do is buy the absolutely smallest quantity of brake fluid you can buy when you buy it, and use it, and then get rid of the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Because brake fluid will go bad sitting on the shelf, and the last thing in the world you want to do is pour contaminated brake fluid into your system. 
Right. Because you can do yourself untold damage with that. And a can of brake fluid is just real cheap. In fact, you'd probably be best off just take it to a shop and, hey, would you mind putting a little brake fluid in here? We keep fresh brake fluid around. We buy it as much as we use. We still buy it in the quart cans because a quart does about one car. And then whatever's done, we dispose of it. And a fresh can goes in every car. But we'd be glad to touch it up for you. Hey, we got to take one more quick little break. Steve, Mark, hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Clint, what's with the huge crate? My 120-inch Platinum 3D TV. Splurging, huh? Putting it all on the credit card, and since the Mayan calendar predicts the world ending December 21st, I'll never have to pay it back. That would explain the giraffe and elephant in your backyard. Have you thought about fixing your car, buddy? Your old one is in pretty bad shape. Leaking oil, screeching brakes... My car can make it to December. Plus, I need money to complete my set of life-size Star Wars action figures. Yoda is an expensive one, he is. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. You know, if your car won't run, you can always ride your elephant. Great idea. Let me Google elephant license. Uh, Okay, you know I was joking, right? Want to learn more about why AGCO is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Harvey Wilson. If you have an automotive problem, question, or comment, you just give us a call. I'll be glad to try to help you out. And we've got Steve online. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. I hope you guys can answer this question for me. Unfortunately, I don't have the exact truck model. Okay. But my my dad has a Nissan pickup truck. I believe it's between 94 and 96. Okay. It's got 160,000 miles on it. It runs like a top. Okay. It's got the six-cylinder, the V6. Yes, sir. Okay. What sounds like is there's an exhaust leak right at the engine on the passenger side coming off the manifold. Okay. And I was told it could be a gasket in there. It started slow, and now it sounds like a Model T Ford. Yes, you might be able to put a gasket in. Uh, okay. What happens, that manifold is made out of cast iron. It gets real hot. And over the years, it will tend to warp. And when it warps, it'll start to leak. And even more common is it will actually crack. And if it gets a crack mm-hmm. in it, it's going to have to be replaced. What you can have to do, it's kind of tough to see down in there, but if you get an inspection mirror, you can generally get down there with like a little mirror, and Uh you can see where it's coming out. It's going to have like a white powdery residue all around wherever it's leaking. Okay. That exhaust will leave like a white powdery residue all in that area. Just get in there and see what's going on. If it's a matter of leakage, you can probably remove the manifold okay. because when those manifolds are taken off and put back on, they never work like they did when they were brand new. But you know, with 160,000 miles, those, those manifolds may have even been off the truck at one point in time. It may. He's had it a few years. Like I say, it runs. It's the bottom of the line, you know. Yeah. But I will tell you, it runs like a top. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Mean, good it little trucks. runs good. The air conditioner still blows cold. I just didn't know how difficult it would be. To change it, if there was a gas, you wreck finding a gas. It's a pretty tough job to change because they're hard to get to, and a lot of times those bolts will actually break off when you try to take them out. You got to drill them out and all that. If you're real handy and you got all the stuff in place to work on it, you you might attempt it yourself. If not, you might want to just bring it to a shop and and have them go at it. Most shops are going to take that job on a basis of, hey, we're going to charge you for the amount of time we spend because 
there's very few people can give you a price up front not knowing what they're going to get into. Exactly. Uh, what times you guys open Monday morning? Six forty-five. Six forty-five. Is something you guys do over there? Oh yeah, yeah. We could do it. Probably couldn't do it Monday, but to call Lane, she could set you up a time. We can get it in and, and do it. Okay. And if you're in a shop where you got like a torch there, we can heat the bolts up. And there's a lot of little tricks you can try on it. Right. We're pretty good at getting them out without breaking them, but occasionally they will break, and you got well, to drill them out. I was yeah, I was afraid of that because of the age of you know the yeah. miles oh, yeah. on the engine. Yeah, they've been in there a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this question. Okay. My dad's retired, but he's got a little part-time job he uh-huh. does, and it's like two miles away from his house. Is it? Would it hurt to drive the vehicle that way? Probably not. In time, it will probably hurt. But I mean, a little bit of driving, short distance, probably not. Yeah, well, that's, you know, he was just wondering what he would do, you know, Monday if he goes into work. Or, yeah. You know, if it's okay to just putt over there and all. And he's as easy on the truck as you yeah, can ever imagine. I don't think know? it's going to be an immediate problem. I think it'd be a long-term problem if he didn't, if he just totally neglected it. But uh, short-term, right. I doubt it'd be a problem. Right. Of course, the temperatures have gotten cooler, but he said that basically it's, you know, the the engine's not warming up now, which is, would that uh, would that be? That's a whole separate problem, but that is a, actually a much bigger problem because if the engine doesn't warm up, it's going to sludge up and it's going to burn a lot more gas. Right. Well, uh, no, it, it, that just happened since the, the leak got worse on Friday. Yeah. Need and of to, course, the temperatures have gone down, too. Yeah, you know? generally that's going to be a thermostat problem. Thermostat's okay. probably either stuck open or maybe somebody's taken it out over the years, but yeah, that needs to be addressed. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Where, in fact, I attempted this on Sunday, which uh-huh. I'm probably not. Where would I go find a gas? Do you Most recommend? parts stores. Most general parts stores. Any good parts store that's got a lot of inventory would probably have it. Right, right. Just tell me you want okay. exhaust manifold gaskets. Yeah. I, look, I want to touch on something. I know you got another call. You're mm-hmm. running short on time. What you were talking about, these some of these little parts stores for hooking up the diagnostic stuff. Mm-hmm. I've got a Nissan Pathfinder with 150,000 miles mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. I went in there, and they tried to tell me I needed a new alternator which was 200 and something dollars mm-hmm, installed, mm-hmm. and come to find out it was just a battery. So never oh, yeah. believe exactly what they say. Bring it to somewhere like Atco. Bring it somewhere where they can check it. There you That's go. That's right. There's your plug, buddy. Have a good weekend. Go Tigers. All right, Mark. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right. Hey, I don't think we have time for any more calls today, but I tell you, you guys who did not get your questions answered, you can log on to the Internet on to agclauto.com. Agcoauto.com. Type in your question and hit the button. And on ours, it's under Frequently Asked Questions, FAQ. But just get in there, type in your questions, send it to us, and we will get you an answer before the weekend is out. Hey, I appreciate everybody listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. Now, me and my wife, my brother Joe, took off my Ford from San Pedro. We hadn't much gas and the tires were low, but the doggone Ford could really go. Along about the middle of the night, we were ripping along like plain folks might. When a Mercury behind, he blinked his lights and he honked his horn and he flew outside. We had twin pipes in the Columbia butts. You people may think that I'm in a rut. But to you folks who don't dig the jive, that's two carburetors and an overdrive. We made grease spots out of many good towns and left the cops' heads spinning round and round. They wouldn't chase, they'd run and hide, but me and that Mercury stayed side by side. Now, we were Ford men and we likely knew that we would race until something blew, and we thought it over, now wouldn't you? I looked down at my lovely bride, her face was blue, I thought she died. We left streaks through town about 40 feet wide, but me and that Mercury stayed side by side. My 
My brother was pale, he said he was sick, he said he was just a nervous wreck. But why should I worry for what the heck? Me and that Mercury was still neck and neck. Now on through the deserts we did glide, a flying low and a flying wide. Me and that Mercury was a taking a ride and we stayed exactly side by side. Then I looked in the mirror and I saw something coming and I thought it was a plane by the way it was a running. Humming along at a terrible pace and I knew right then it was the end of the race. When it flew by us I turned the other way and the guy in the Mercury had nothing to say. For it was a kid in a hopped up Model A. Yeah, just a hopped up Model A. Model A. 